Welcome to the latest edition of the Shark Dojo series uh, via the SWM podcast. I'm your host, as always, Billy. Uh, a little bit different from the SWM podcast, of course, because the nominee, the guests are nominated by Looking Sharp via the LKS Online Dojo. On this edition, I am joined by the first ever Copenhagen uh, Championship Wrestling Champion. Uh, I'm joined by Sebastian Day. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, it was a long time coming. <laughs> we tried to organize it's, this for a wee while. <laughs> it's been like, um, I think, months, months and a half trying. But um, yeah, it sadly went through that I got a new job. So uh, I ended up working 150 hours the first month I was there. So that's why. <laughs> that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So usually, I mean, people that are listening to this are, are chronologically, if they're really into it. Um, we try to do this once a month. Of course, June. It's supposed to be yourself, so uh, I've made up for it. We're doing two in July, so we're, we'll get you. We finally got you on. Um, the first question—it's it's pretty much the same format as the normal podcast. The only difference is instead of me chasing guests, the guests come to me pretty much from from Lou. Uh, but the first question is always the same in these podcasts: How did you get into pro wrestling, and uh, what got you hooked? Um, yeah, uh, what got me hooked? Let's start with that. That's a fun experience. It's like my big brother. Um, who showed me pro wrestling one night. It was shown in Denmark back in, I think it was 05, um, with six months delay. Like, uh, they showed Raw six months after, SmackDown six months after they done it in the US. And I remember the very first wrestling show so perfectly because it was a tournament in 2005 for the number one contendership for the WWE title, where they were in Japan and they had Big Show versus Rey Mysterio. That was my very first match. <laughs> So Rey Mysterio got me hooked. <laughs> to be honest, he got me hooked. That small guy versus the big guy, he actually put up a fight and sadly lost. But still, it was uh, it hooked me immediately. And uh, guys like John Cena, Batista uh, hooked me also. And some people hate this, but also Triple H, uh, even though it was that period of time that he was apparently in the reign of terror. I didn't know. I was new. So <laughs> it, it was fun. Um, <clears throat> I can also vaguely remember watching some of the first... Uh, uh, shows from Raw in December, I think, in 2004, where they had this switch of general manager. Um, that was also very fun to watch the build-up to New Year's Revolution. Mm. That's a good start to pro wrestling, I believe, as a young kid. <laughs> so, and, it was a pretty uh, cool time, yeah, 2004, 2005. I mean, it, it, gets, it gets a lot of uh, shit put onto it because it, it was during that Triple H reign of terror, but if you, as long as you pick out the bits you enjoy, it's, it's all good. And uh, yeah, and it was actually the end of it. So I, I, I was, was actually lucky to not seeing the entire period of his reign. So, and um, then the the yeah, way I got into pro wrestling was uh, the DPW Danish Pro Wrestling uh, made some training in the crew in a uh, part of Shetland. Denmark is divided in small islands, so. If you wanted to train DPW, there's like three hours, four hours travel. Back then, it was actually more because there was not that much travel options. But they started this uh, school in uh, in Shelham, where I trained it for a few years. Then uh, I got a knee injury. I went to a boarding school, so I didn't train wrestling for a few years. Um, didn't focus on it. Tried to come back, but didn't really have the feel for it. Then CCW opened up in Copenhagen and uh, I contacted them, uh, got into the training um, 
got my first match at Copenhagen six months later. So, <laughs> no, so, no, bad. Six months. Um, so, as far as a sports background, cage match is a wonderful thing. I use cage match a lot for my my uh, my research. Um, it's often wrong, but we'll get into that later. Um, it says you had a, a sports background of things like badminton and and all. That. Is this accurate? Yeah. Or no, you did have a sports background. Great. <laughs> it was uh, amateur, but in Denmark we do you can go to a lot of stuff and I tried different sports uh, played football for like four years uh, mainly as a defender played badminton for a few years tennis for a bit I've tried, done a lot of things competed in swimming <laughs> also so um, I've done a lot of stuff but it's pro wrestling that I feel like I fit it the best in. Um, so it's a strange thing especially in Denmark where there's a very few people who does it um, then it's uh, strange to meet people that you're known for 20 years. Don't know if you they've seen you for 20 years, but they still know that you do pro wrestling. <laughs> so that's pretty strange. That is so small thing that when you do it, people actually know that you do it, but you don't know that they know. <laughs> so that's pretty strange. But uh, it's in Kate's match, all the information on Kate's match is actually myself who've given it to them. So that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's, that's, yeah, it's probably a first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the but that's times... because uh, I was asked to give information and I'm, I'm honest and I gave all my information. Even the people who asked me said, is this true? Yeah, yeah, it's true. I've done all these things. And like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, oftentimes uh, I end up speaking to someone going, oh, your first match was this. And they go, no, it was a gala day. It was this, it was that. I'm so, uh, on cage match that's the only thing that's actually wrong because my first match is not on there that's a pre-show match from Copenhagen it was uh, there was actually fighting of having the match on or not but it ended up adding then I had a lot of juniors matches small pre-show matches for they did for wrestling for about a year uh, where they had something called the juniors tournaments and um, I was just booked for the tournament um, and suddenly I was in the final and suddenly I won <laughs> so yeah a bit of an outside um, looking in and suddenly I was uh, the main talent going forward got a light over title shot that I sadly fluked uh, back then funny story I had an Irish character <laughs> so um, and that was to stick out a bit and not just go for the character that I wanted to be immediately because I still needed to figure out pro wrestling before actually went through it and that's an experience i've seen actually from japan where they have this thing like you you can debut you are yourself but then we send you away you come back with an actual character a person like gimmick instead of you just trying to figure it out on the way i had to do it but i feel like i tried to work a character first and figure out how to do this and then went for the character I actually wanted to work with uh, as yeah, we definitely weren't going to get to this podcast without me <laughs> speaking about Sean St. Patrick, I which <laughs> is a wonderful name to start off with. Uh, now, you, you did speak to Kurt, because like, a lot of my research side, I'd be Match or through Kurt Johansson's uh, chat with you. Um, did you ever go, did you ever do promos as Sean St. Patrick, or was it all just... Um, it's just, there uh, on um, I have them all still. I still have them all. Um, but all the promos are on DPW, Danish Pro Wrestling's Facebook page, and they probably still there. They don't believe stuff, so they're still there. Uh, like, 
five years back, six years back. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, I worked uh, the first year with the character where I spoke with an accent, English uh, accent, just to make it work. And then at the end, they asked me, can you cut the English and go to Danish trying to transist to Danish instead? Yeah, no problem. I don't care. <laughs> I will do what you asked me uh, to do. So I started at to begin doing the promos in Danish. So even though people was disappointed, uh, a lot of Danish pro wrestling fans uh, in Anders and Yulan, they were actually thinking I was from Ireland in the beginning. Um, so they were disappointed when they actually got to figure out I was Danish all the way and actually lived in Copenhagen all the time. So, so as it, as it kind of worked. <laughs> There's a lot of guys around here, um, like Luchador's, um, like Robbie Solar and, and Lucha DS. And we look at them and you think, oh, they must be, when you first see them as a child, you're like, oh, they must be like a Mexican or something like that. And you hear them speak, and it's just thick Scottish accent. It's <laughs> like, ah, well, yeah. <laughs> still they, cool, they, but... <laughs> They, they got over and people believed it. So, and uh, yeah, so it made it worked. So, yeah, that's the most important thing. As long as, as long as you're not going out there doing it and people just going, he's tasting the Irish. Uh, but if they believe you, then you must have done your job right then. Exactly. And uh, the worst part about the gimmick was actually the end. And this uh, is a bit funny story. I was having a bit of three series with Johnny Casanova for the Light Award title, where you pick matches. Uh, he picked a, a strip match, to be honest. So uh, I cheated and put up a lot of layers of clothing. So he had a big task to go into, and I won that match. Then I picked a Bob roll, which we did have at a bar, and that match is also on the DPW uh, Facebook site, to be honest. Um, and that was filmed at like five, six in the morning in Hanas uh, someday. So that was awesome. Um, and then we had a, what was supposed to be a container match, uh, which is a match Danish Pro Wrestling has uh, had in the past. Um, what Kim didn't tell us was that he wasn't going to give us, you know, Chaos, the guy who runs DBW, that he was going to provide us with a container he wasn't going to do that he didn't tell us that either so on the day of the show he asked do you have a container uh, no <laughs> so we had to take a, uh, like a light crate instead that i could that both could fit in um and then it was supposed to be like uh, he won the match bear me in the casket crate thing was supposed to roll me out of the venue and then the character was that uh, was this then i could come back like six, eight months later as Sebastian Day. He forgot to push out this crate. <laughs> and I was laying there and I didn't know uh, what the fuck was going on, to be honest, until his music stopped. Then I knew what was going on because then I knew he forgot to push me out. And when they had this show was in Horsens, the ring was here, the entrance was here, and the crate was here. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not like you could have just like snuck out. out. No. If it's, so you had to go past everyone to get out. To, oh, yeah. no. Exactly. <laughs> so the character didn't die that evening. Um, it died two months later. But that's a different story we'll get to probably. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, the only thing I hate about that is the way it ended. <laughs> Everything else I love. <laughs> 
So, so we'll let's back to your starting training then. So, um, I've got what have I got written down here? So, you start, you say you started at uh, DPW, that's yeah. usually where you were. Um, you got this bit of a sportive background then, so I'm assuming you know you have your good foundation for like your cardio, uh, movement, stuff like that, footwork. How is the the falling, the bumps, how is that on your first or first time doing it? Oh my god, the first bump in a ring was the painfulest ever. Um, it was um, actually a guy who wrestles today as Lunico in CCW who got us the opportunity to train in the ring with DPW at the show they had. Back then it was called PWL Premium Wrestling League or something. And we were allowed to train, got the cardio and everything. We, uh, then we were going to take the first bump in the ring and I took it and the biggest pain in the back came through me. It was so extreme. And um, afterwards, I then figured out that the reason why it was extra painful compared to other rings that day was because the mattress they have was like this thick, something like that. And then it was wood boards that was this thick. <laughs> so it was, it was a painful ring they had back then. Uh, they have a better ring today, of course, but um, it was extremely painful. And the worst part about that day, besides the first bump, it was also the day that I got the first chop, resting chop. And my first resting chop I got from Walter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was that lucky, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so I had a red scar just two weeks. That's how lucky I was. That was my first pro wrestling chop. In the in the ring where some guy actually literally threw a pro wrestling jump. That was awesome. Well, welcome to wrestling. Here's Walter. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was a great day. And then I had to work the DJ gig for the rest of the day. So that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> but that the uh, that first pro wrestling training in in the ring uh, for people who who wants to be a wrestler, it's gonna be painful. You're gonna have pain the next. Day, but you have to suck it up because you're gonna get used to it. Uh, I can say, even though I hadn't wrestled for ten months, then yesterday I had a match in Sweden the day before we were here that we we're recording this, and it was uh, still painful. I've not done it for ten months, but uh, it was still easier than the first very first time that you did it because you are like prepared for how much it's gonna hurt, how you're gonna do it. Because the first bump you take is like you're gonna land awkward with the back and my arms, and everything is gonna be the most awkward thing in the world because you're scared uh, of the ring, you're scared of what it's gonna do to you. And in the later years, I figured out okay, now you're used to it, so it still hurts, but you're used to it now. But the first bump is the most scary bump ever. After I that, hear I hear it said there the bumps are the worst thing or the ropes is like not far behind. <laughs> nope. Uh, the ropes is not far behind. Um, I would say the bumps, it depends on the ring that you're training in, of course. It depends on the ring that you're, you're beginning your training in uh, because, again, different countries, different rings, different companies, different rings. It all depends on what kind of uh, ring you have. But the ropes are usually the same. <laughs> so... Uh, and people say the ropes are the most painful. I don't believe it. Um, I don't know why, but uh, I feel like the bump is the most painful uh, thing. So 
not the ropes. <laughs> so even though I slipped on the ropes a lot of times, it's not more painful than taking a bump. Mm -hmm. Not more irritating than that. Um, so your, your, you made your debut, uh, I've got here a, a Swedish festival, I didn't, I didn't catch what it was actually called, oh, no. um, but uh, obviously not as Sean St. Patrick just yet, you're just yourself uh, or whatever, if I remember rightly from listening to Kurt, it was pretty much you were just three guys thrown in there, no names, just do a wrestle. It was a Iferable Threat match and actually recently it's about three weeks ago, I've got this memory thing on Facebook that actually showed it was six years ago or something, six, seven years ago. And it's just a freeway for like seven minutes or something. And we didn't have names. We didn't get announced. We didn't get anything. We just in, wrestle, out again. Um, we got people to come because there was wrestling. So people came to see it. And then the show began afterwards. That was a good feeling to actually draw some people into it to see what the hell is going on. Um, this match was, uh, we planned it a long time before because we all knew it was two young kids, uh, like 16, 17, both of them so that, at that point. And um, then uh, when we were doing this uh, match, there was a one point where I was going to be thrown out of the ring. And good advice for everybody who's going to work an outdoor show anywhere, either in the UK, Denmark, whatever. Please check the surrounding of the ring. I didn't do that. So there was a concrete around the ring. I landed with my elbow first. <laughs> so that hurt like hell. And it was like three minutes into this seven minute match. So it was like walking around with pain in the elbow for the rest of the match. But uh, yeah, it was a little fun experience. Get to work, trying to get this feeling of working in crowds. And then uh, I went to the fake break camp, uh, had these smaller matches for DPW. And then my first like real wrestling match for, on a real wrestling show um, was with the Sean Fitzpatrick character on SWS in Svensk Wrestling Zoo. I was uh, booked the day before the show um, before some guy, because some guy could make it. And uh, when I showed up, they asked, are you okay with doing kind of a squash match? And I really didn't think too much of it because I didn't believe that the character would return to SWS at that point. And if it were, it wouldn't mind me that much to have taken a loss, especially not to a guy who's, let's just say, a lot bigger and lots more uh, scarier than me. So it would make sense. And um, it was like five, seven minutes. We didn't screw anything up, luckily. We Went a bit under time. That was pretty much it. Um, got a lot of experience out of it because, again, it was my first, very first main wrestling show. So I was nervous as hell, <laughs> to be honest. And I, they said, you could have sold a lot better. You could have done this a lot better. Um, you could have uh, withdrawn, if, uh, drawn the time in between the stuff you're doing a lot better. And when you're new and it's your first real match and you're doing it for SWS and at that point SWS was actually a pretty high point uh, where they were drawing like two, three hundred people. So it was a big show. You are very nervous and taking all this in and yeah, it, uh, it was a good experience and also a very learning experience. Even though it was just a squash match, you 
I felt like I learned a lot from that match, although even though it was very short. That, that's that's one thing. I mean, from I mean, I've never actually been in the ring. Well, I haven't done anything physical in the ring. I should say that I've, I've been in and did like ring announcing uh, briefly, but um, once I say briefly, it makes it sound like I've done it more than once. Uh, once, but uh, it was you can see guys that are just out. You know that they're like just new because I think um, it was a story. I think it was a big show story or something like that. But I pretty much he, he had an opponent and. All he said to him was slow down, slow way down, because the crowd's there to take it all in. If you do all these flashy moves in the first five minutes, that's it. There's <laughs> just things can exactly. breathe. But I suppose, I mean, like, if it's your first match, then every well, every match is a learning experience. And uh, exactly. the worst thing you've done is rush it a little bit, then not a bad start. Was pretty much that we didn't fuck up any moves. I didn't screw anything up. He didn't screw anything up. I was told he didn't look bad at all, which was the main point. And also, you did a great job making him look good. It went a bit fast, but you made him look good. And that was the main point of it. So I did my job uh, that day. And I think like that's an experience thing for all who wants to be a wrestler and everybody who is a wrestler. Um, don't mind what you're booked for when you're booked for something uh, except if you like book for a show very far away and you're not booked for a match like I was at one point then then you can be tempted to say no because again what do you get out of it um, but um, if you book for something it's an opportunity if it's a new company who's asked you hey we want you uh, maybe two days before a show we can give you the transport but you need to take a small match five minutes squash but we want you to take this, take the opportunity, take the chance to show you, because even though it's five minutes, they will still allow you to do something. And if you connect with the crowd in those five minutes and give them something they can see, okay, maybe he's something we can book in a year's time, maybe even f- faster than that. Um, some people won't take those opportunities. Um, for example, the SWS opportunities, there were some guys who was asked before me who said no, um, who didn't want to do it. And, um, yeah, I feel like that's a bit stupid because, first of all, you say no to an opportunity to wrestle for a new company. And second of all, it's like you get the chance to show yourself why not take it. So, And I think a lot of people, a lot of wrestlers maybe don't realize that independent wrestling, especially in Europe and even in the UK, mm. online fans are vocal, but mm. generally they're the minority. Exactly. So people that went to see you getting squashed might not be the same people that are going to see you in uh, in CCW because of the distance. They're not might not be looking online very, and on social media, so they're not going very to very very few, very very few. Because again, SWS is in Malmo and Copenhagen. Malmo is like 40, uh, 30 minutes drive uh, between each other, so there's a chance. Um, but it's very small, and if they remember it, they will still also think, hey, it's a different place, different company. No problem. So, and a lot of companies and a lot of wrestlers, uh, I think, don't really remember that when they get booked, they think too much of like, oh, my fans is going to see me lose. Yeah? Those two fans that know you already out of maybe 150, <laughs> the rest of the 148 would be like, yeah, we don't know you already. And then when you move back to your homestead, they would be like, maybe those two guys will say, hey, he lost the match in whatever. 
and then people know but if they don't say anything usually they don't know it so they don't care they watch the certain promotions for a reason and they maybe don't even follow the other promotion so if they know they know if they don't know they don't know so, and it's pro wrestling man don't take it that serious <laughs> oh yeah i mean i've, I've had uh, discussions with, with other folk about this word mark and and uh, the, it's generally the agreement is when it, that, it's a stupid word in the first place but the the when you think about it logically the wrestlers are the biggest marks because they went to do it so of course you're the biggest fan of wrestling you've actually went to go do the wrestling so it's just yeah Uh, i could get into a very just ridiculous rant about that stupid (laughs) internet culture but we won't because it's your interview uh it's not it's not me having a rant um so so you 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 were at danced uh thanks pro wrestling and they say you had a break um then you went to to uh, CCW was, was that um, actually um, the break was actually after CCW was created um, I debuted Sebastian Day in 2016 it must be 2016 no yeah 2016 it must be um, for CCW I think it was the first show we had at that that year and um, I still worked as uh, Sean Fitzpatrick in the Danish Pro Wrestling at the same time um and that's why I wanted also to cut it because, again, working two different characters in one country, you can get away with it to a certain stretch. Uh, at some point, you can't anymore. So, and um, after that, I, will, I was supposed to have mentioned take a break. And that was just to work CQW because I wanted to focus a bit more on that, also to uh, just uh, get myself in the right place for the new character. Um, but because of this mistake, as mentioned earlier with Johnny Casanova, I had to come to the next show. And that is what I said before about maybe reconsider it if you don't have anything like a match or anything. Because I was going to this DPW show on a Friday, which meant I had to, of course, take time off work. <laughs> um, and then um, go up to do a segment with Carlos Samoa, Sam Asfak, and Peace Phoenix, where they had the debuting of this uh, group called Copenhagen's Finest. So I'm actually part of the group until they kicked me out like five minutes after they created it. Um, but that was actually what I was there for. I was coming, coming out with them. They did a promo, kicked me out of the group. That was it. And it was the first segment of the show. So that was that uh, that was not a big learning experience, but that killed the character. And then uh, they booked me for the next show where I had a match against Michael Schinkberg as Sebastian Day. And um, they asked me if I could do it because they were like wrestlers for the show. And it was like, yeah, fine, yeah, I can do it. Even though I didn't really believe uh, it would have worked, I would like to stay away for a few shows to make it work. but. They wanted to rush it a bit, so that's uh, again something I feel a bit sad about in that connection. Um, and then, so yeah, with CCW, then um, of course you are, you are like one of the, the owners or, or what have you. Were you always like was the CCW something you helped create, or what was your story no, with that? Um, no, uh, CCW is the creation of. Uh, Copenhagen uh, Hangman's uh, Jesper. Um, he is 100% the c- 
creator of Copenhagen Champs first time. I got, as mentioned, to join when they started up. Um, after, I think it was a year and a half, I got the opportunity to join the booking team. And I wasn't really thinking too much about it, but yeah, uh, uh, come with a lot of ideas that they worked uh, work with. So they wanted me to be on the team. And um, so it this um, working as a wrestler at the same time, a lot of people would be like, oh, now you're going to put yourself into like stardom. It's like, actually not, because I'm not the main book. I was just helping. Um, then, um, yeah, we worked this like a year where I was helping booking, uh, pretty much actually booking the shows because the main book I lived in Sweden. And um, yeah, he was not there at most of the time. He he came to the shows, but he didn't like come to Denmark to have meetings or anything. He called us and talked for hours, but he didn't write or anything. So it was mainly just me and Hangman Traxy running it. Um, he ran the business side, I ran the booking, uh, the show side of it, together with this guy from Sweden. And um, in, I think it was in December, uh, before the very first Ragnarok. Um, we had a show, um, I don't know, don't remember the name of it or anything, but we had a show. I actually think it was the day that I won the title, actually. Uh, he no-show. He didn't show up, um, which we felt was strange. He had a reason. He told us afterwards, which was fine. Then we had a show in February where he was very, like, off and all this. So... It uh, ended up uh, that at the Ragnarok show that we had about in April of 28, no, 2019, I think it was something uh, in that area, 2019, he again no show and uh, actually never contacted us since. Um, so I became main broker after that. <laughs> so that's how I became uh, into, can you say, the booking side of it. Um, Last year, after Round Arc 2, Copenhagen Hangman uh, wanted to go back a bit and focus on wrestling instead of just focusing on uh, both business, wrestling, and all this, and asked me if I could take over. So I've decided to say yes and decided to continue running the company CCW, Copenhagen Championship Wrestling, and uh, hopefully. Uh, continue the strength and the, the setup that we have and the good run that we have before the corona, yeah, after the corona. Um, so. That's been a bit, a bit difficult there. I mean, I was, again, listening to the, your chat with Kurt, um, that it's very, it could be very easy to make yourself the, the focus of a show if you're the one that's booking it. And I was hearing you speak to Kurt about, um, like, there was some push back a little bit from some people about you becoming the champion and things like that. Um, yeah. was, was that something you were very conscious of? Were you very conscious of being making the story make sense and have it mm. justified before you could go, right, this is what's going to happen. Um, I can I can carry yeah, uh, the belt until we find someone that's... Um, yeah, the, the, giving me the belt was actually before I became the main booker. That was the old booker who wanted it. And I disagreed a lot with it um it's not because i didn't want to be champion everybody wants to be champion pro wrestling um but i didn't feel like i was at that point ready for it um but the him and hangman decided okay let's go with that instead of the original pen 
and um, it was not so much uh, about uh, if I could carry it, they believed I could carry it. Some guys, as you mentioned, was a bit frustrated, maybe a bit disappointed that it was me. Um, and uh, again, um, yeah, um, I won it, I carried it, uh, lost it to Chaos, won it back in the same day, um, carried it again until Corona hit. And um, the original plan has always been, to be honest, that the uh, Hangman was going to have it at one point. And um, I felt like he could carry it now with the character that he has and the momentum that he has made. And we needed to have a major heel have it now after Babyface has had it for two, three years, pretty much. <laughs> then um, what, how, what, how it's going to happen from now on is up to me and my new booking team and uh, let's see um so far right now we believe hangman is the guy who can carry ccw into the future and uh, yeah hopefully uh, he will do that with no issues um so just a little bit about I me mean, i suppose this is bang in the middle probably your first reign mm-hmm. but uh one of your one of your big feuds that you had uh was with pete phoenix yeah um, so was, I think I was remember saying two years just on and off feuding uh, with, with matches of, of varying destruction and, and brutality. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> so uh, how how did this this come about then? Was it just uh, you guys? I think if I remember rightly, were you just kind of thrown together and then somehow blossomed into a long going ongoing rivalry? Um, yeah, I actually think I mentioned a bit about it to Kurt, but not so much in details. Uh, yeah. Uh, we got booked for the very first CCW show. Um, we were supposed to have different opponents. Uh, one of them got injured, the other one then got rebooked for a different opponent, and we got slashed together <laughs> in a match. And we were told, hey, this is just a one-off. Uh, nothing's going to happen afterwards. Uh, we will see what we're going to do. Um, because in CCW, we focus on having storylines. So we had to throw out some stuff because of these people being injured. Then... Uh, we had this match after the uh, before the match. I told Pete Phoenix he uh, he should go in and steal uh, yeah, uh, steal a Danish flag that I bring with me in my entrance, just steal. And uh, he does this, and uh, people boo him. He attacks me after the match, and he steals this flag, and people boo him like hell. And that is, is actually the picks to kick the feud off because the crowd reacted so badly for it that he's standing there and posed with the Danish flag and being a prick. So they decided to having us feud. And we feuded. We had matches. He put me in matches with against other people. And we were actually supposed to end the feud in February of 2018. Yeah, 2018. Um, and on the day of the show, um, I get a call um, in the morning, like at, I think it was seven in the morning, where being told that uh, Mr. Pete Phoenix has some kind of sickness. He's uh, depend- uh, dependent inside has uh, got infected. So uh, he needed to go to hospital and get a surgery on the day of the show. So the, the feud had to be postponed a bit the end of the feud and uh, that was in february of 2018 and then uh, we had a one more show here where we did have a match but we didn't end the feud then we 
made our title tournament. We were the final two in the Fatal 4-Way. And then we uh, didn't face each other on one show in February of 2019. And then we had Ragnarok 1, where we had a last-man standing match, which finished off the shoot. So it was from, yeah, it was September 2016 to uh, uh, 2019 that we feuded. What I'm getting from your our stories so far and, and uh, our, our discussion is a lot, a lot of the opportunities is pretty much just you said not saying no. It seems to be these things fall into your lap. You're like, all right, okay, we'll do this and then we'll roll with it. What 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 can we get exactly. from this? We'll move on to the next thing. Oh, this has happened. What can we get from it? Move on to the next thing. It's just it's a fantastic attitude to have. Um, I would, exactly. I would say. Um, I can tell you about a great experience I just had again yesterday. This match I had yesterday was a tag team match. Wednesday, here before the show, I get a message that one of the guys has dropped out from the match. So he was replaced with a rookie. Um, so I was in a match with uh, two pretty much rookies who couldn't do much and one semi-experienced guy like me. So that was a fun match being part of that. I would have cried a lot. Um, usually when they, you have a wrestling show, you do have time to, to you know, have an idea of what, what, how the match is going to be. They showed up about an hour before the doors opened. So the match didn't, as I believed. I, some people say it was a great match, but uh, I was in it. And I, I'm, I'm disappointed in some of the spots in the I, I definitely feel like it was not a good match, um, but some people said it was a great match. So it varies from who watches it and how they see it. Um, but I had to roll with it because of the changes. So, uh, and that's sometimes what you have to do in pro wrestling. Sometimes you have to just say, okay, is this what's going to happen? Great, let's go with it. Because you never know what's going to happen because of that opportunity. Then, yeah. That's uh, how I roll and how I've learned to do pro wrestling. <laughs> just say yes and just do, unless it's a very, very, very stupid thing. <laughs> um, so speaking of opportunities then, uh, of course, again, another subject we could not not speak about uh, is your match in June 2019 with uh, Angelico. Um, I was watching it. I watched it on YouTube today uh, just, just so I could get some, uh, like, idea of how the match went and what have you and, and also to get a little bit of a, a judging on your on your move set as well um, so I do have questions about that but uh, your match with Angelico um, I'm assuming this was the committee that, that or hangman that, that came to you with this um, what was it like having him uh, did he do a seminar beforehand what was it like having Angelico there no um, when we booked him um, we booked him for a show in the, in the middle of June and um June in December is like at the beginning of the summer, just before the summer holidays, so it was a bit of a risk. And people don't usually have vacation there, so we couldn't do a camp. He wanted to do a seminar, but usually we don't have time to do that stuff on the day of a show because we are very particular in what we do. Um, so when I booked Angelico, I was uh, asked by Hangman um, because uh, we wanted to do something special for the summer show. If I have something special, uh, somebody special I wanted to face for the title, who I wanted to defend the title against. And uh, I said, uh, I can look through whoever maybe have contacted us because as people who maybe have worked for the promotion before, I can tell you this, people send a lot of resumes and 
that's how I look sometimes for people is just go through whoever sent us a resume and see, okay, is there somebody interesting here? Maybe not, maybe a big name, maybe not a big name, but somebody special who can maybe bring something that Danish wrestlers haven't brought yet. So they can stick out, as I usually say. And then I noticed that uh, Angelico had contacted us back pretty much at the beginning of CCW's time period. And I hadn't seen this email before, and uh, the previous book has apparently ignored it. I don't know why. So I contacted him and asked him if he could do it to show on the day, and uh, he was interested and could do it. Um, we scheduled it so he came like three or four days before the show and enjoyed Copenhagen, which was in a great period of time. There was this big summer holiday, so he got to enjoy Copenhagen in a good period of time. And um, the funny thing about this was the day after that I finalized the deal and got booked and everything, uh, he announces on social media that he signed with AEW. So <laughs> that was like a steal. <laughs> a bit of a steal uh, for the promotion. Um, because then I just contacted him and said, yeah, I can confirm that we got Angelico. I can also tell you that he just announced that he signed for AEW. So we can use that in the promotion material if you want to. <laughs> so uh, that's that's not something that uh, you don't need to take advantage of. Um, and the match itself, um, if we need to skip to that a bit, he is, first of all, a great guy to work with. And he's amazing um, having a uh, show relaxed and they're great in the locker room. Um, people, if they had questions, uh, he helped them a lot, trying to help people. So, and the, the match, it for me, was uh, mainly focusing on, uh, of course, not keeping him looking bad, and of course, keeping the champion me looking strong. But the, when before the show, we hadn't decided for a finish. And that was mainly because he signed with AEW, and also because we didn't really know what we wanted to do storyline-wise at that point. We had a lot of ideas floating around. He helped us. He came with some ideas that we already had thought of and confirmed us that that would work. And the match itself was amazing. He's an amazingly gentle wrestler. He's very light. So at some points when he kicked or hit me, you really need to see that he kicks or hits you to remember how to sell. <laughs> because at some point he kicked me in the head. I didn't feel it at all. I just saw his foot in my face. Oh, need to sell. <laughs> That's how I saw it. Because I didn't, I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel anything. He's very, very gentle. And he's amazing to work with in the ring. Uh, he's very creative also in to set up a match where it's not it's not losing excitement it's building up for something big and figuring out an ending that would still make it look believable that hey the ending is this but also setting up for maybe a potential future match without ruining it for anybody so and yeah. Uh, but yeah we would spoil the ending go to youtube and, and look it up and you yeah. can see the match yourself exactly and i believe we did a great job um building it up and the finish and everything. So, and um, again, um, because of the corona, we haven't been able to bring him back. <laughs> we had the plan of bringing him back last year, actually in 2020, uh, for some matches um, together with some of the other guys in CCW. Um, but corona hit. <laughs> 
So, and uh, yeah, then we also have to see, of course, with his current AW deal, how it can work. But uh, I know that it's supposedly should be able to work out. But again, it depends a lot on the time, dates, and everything. We'll, we'll definitely speak about the impact of the corona um, mm. soon enough. But the match itself, what, like, like I said, I like to watch at least at least one match of, of I guess, because it's rude otherwise. Um, and I was noticing like your, your wrestling style. Is there any particular wrestlers that you kind of uh, watch and pattern some of your, your moveset from? I was noticing uh, a little bit of Jeff Hardy, a little bit of, uh, a bit of CM Punk maybe in there as well. Um, is there anyone in particular that you watch to get ideas for? Uh, it's actually... Pretty much mainly uh, currently uh, Jeff Hardy and CM Punk. It also depends on who I'm wrestling against. Uh, I've also drawn in my signal wrestling a lot of inspiration from Zack Sabre Jr. Um, because um, he's, as people say, a wheel set in signal wrestling, and some of the stuff that he's able to do um, is pretty uh, pretty amazing to try to put off in Denmark because people haven't seen it. So that's, he's also a guy I, I tend to see a lot, for, uh, a lot too. Um, those are my main inspiration because of the way I'm built um, um, in my movesets. Um, Technic wrestling, I also see a lot of in Zach Gibson, who trained me um, for a few of these DPW fake break training camps. <clears throat> so he's uh, giving me a lot of tools in the technical wrestling area that I'm also using, again, depending on the match and depending on the opponent that I have. But yeah, it's a CM Punk Jeff Hardy, can you call it, as the main inspirations. Um, so um, it's another podcast that hasn't gone by without us speaking about Jeff Hardy because nope. he's the best. That's just, that's just... It, this, just be honest, he has a big impact in a lot of young people because of the way that he wrestled and the thing that he does as a wrestler because a lot of young people maybe kind of built the same way as he is and wants to be a wrestler and think, like, oh, I can make it. And they, they see him and be like, I can make it uh, because he could. Why can I not? So, and all the crazy stuff that he's pulling off is just like what young kids is doing is like they do crazy stuff and you just continue doing it into adulthood. So, it's the thing. He, he was wild. It's so wildly appealing because I mean I loved him because he did. He had the wild hair. He did all the, the flips and that. And uh, more recently, I, I showed I showed my wife uh, like a picture of Jeff Hardy from back in two thousand. Just went. Yeah, I would have liked him as well, just for a totally different reason. <laughs> but uh, like, it's fine. It's so, so universal. Um, speaking he, of Zach he Gibson, peel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Zach Gibson, then, so you teamed up with him uh, in a six-man match. Um, yeah. So, of course, Zach's went on to be um, in NXT now, uh, former uh, real five-star wrestling champion. There you go, everyone listening. There's a five-star mention. Um well, so was it like getting to, you say you've got to train with them, you've got to teach you a little bit with technical stuff. Um, what was it like getting to, to actually see him in action next to you and getting to, to learn on the job with him? Ooh, uh, yeah, that uh, was actually pretty special because when I was told I was going to team up with him, um, he was just getting the role, uh, the, the role of being a big name uh, in the world where everybody kind of knew who Seth Gibson was. And uh, being able to team up with him was pretty, as I can usually say again, a pretty uh, learningful um, experience because 
usually when people set up a match again depends on who you are as a wrestler and how much and how notorious you are regarding your match people tend to maybe write down everything they are doing down to the last stretch some people it's just like it's just garden work uh, it depends and he calmed everybody down into six man matches like who's feuding with who and then you work together what you're going to do work two minutes work five work two work five and suddenly he'd made a six-man tag team match within five minutes where everybody was comfortable with what they were going to do in the match. And that was just like mind-blowing for me as a young wrestler at that point, because it's still a few years ago, I think like four years ago or something. It was mind-blowing just to see him go in, collect five other wrestlers for a six-man tag and say, this is what we're going to do. You feud, you, yeah, you, 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 yeah, you, 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 yeah. Finish this disc, go... We didn't even rehearse anything in the ring. <laughs> it was just like, that's it. That's what we're going to do. See you later. And then he went in and just sat in the locker room. <laughs> and, uh, and when he's uh, before a show, uh, Zach Gibson is, of course, a different person. Um, but when he takes on his gear and gets ready and he hears his music, he turns on this light bulb and is this character gimmick, Zach Gibson. And he's 100% the guy. Seth Gibson and that's sometimes amazing to see but also terrifying to be next to when you're in the tag team match with him because he don't give any shit about anything in a match he shouts and he screams and he shouts at me right next to him for some reason and it's crazy Um, and he knows exactly what he's doing 100% but he does it so well in character that everybody just believes that is who he is 100% of the time. And everybody wants to be at that level um, where they can go in, do their character so great that when you leave the building and you're just the person you are normally, people still believe that you are a different character <laughs> and they hate you 100% for real. Um, that's that's how everybody wants to be, uh, be I believe, and how I want to be at Um and the match itself, um, me and Carlos was uh, Carlos Samoa um, was feuding at that point, and uh, we did some technical stuff, some reversal stuff that we had actually trained to get a lot doing. And uh, after the match, Zach came and said, that, "That looked pretty good. You you can get somewhere, but still a lot of work at that point to get somewhere in this business <laughs> because getting to be someone is just something in itself." So, but that's. Uh, great experience being in the ring with these experienced people who has been doing it for 10, 15 years. People have been all over the world doing this uh, pro wrestling and teaming up with them, facing them, being trained by them. Um, ask them, uh, that's an advice for everybody, ask them anything you can remember to ask them about uh, for advices and all that because you maybe never get to be together with them ever again. Maybe that's the one opportunity you have to be with the person in, in the ring and try to get as much out of them as possible. That's that's what I would advise people to do in that is situation. That's what I try to do at least when I'm doing with guys like Zach or Angelico. Um, so when it comes to the, um, so you said you, Booker, pretty much mm. de facto owner of, of CCW, um, are, are you in charge of the training as well? Or is, is that something you I mean, delegated out or... We are four people relegating the training. I'm one of the coaches. Um, and then we have uh, Pete Phoenix, Carlos Samoa, and Hangman. 
Um, they we are mainly the main trainee uh, trainers, and that's because we both, uh, all four of us, has the most experience. But also because we are the only ones who's been, as some people say, proper trained by real wrestlers from in seminars or week camps or something in the longer period of time. And of course, we give the same things further on, but I tell people you need to go to camps like Fager Break or something where you get a like five day stretch of pro wrestling training, put it put in time to get more than just once or two times a week. But that's uh, we're the four guys who are training um, right now. I don't get to do much training as the owner and having a shoot job and all this, and it's pretty hard to get the time to do training, but trying to get the training in still it's it's difficult with the time <laughs> I, I, I did think that Carlos Zamora was going to be in there somewhere I'm, I'm hopefully we'll get, I'll get to speak to him in the future but um, as a guy that's obviously been through the WWE uh, uh, tryout system and he would bring that kind of uh, training experience to you was that something that yeah. when he came back yes. from that he kind of mm. did, did, you, did you look at that and go oh, this is a bit more intense than what I learned. And how's that? That's uh, what we have done pretty much is that Carlos, when he has the time, Carlos is a a personal coach in his spare time, so he works a lot. But when he does uh, training in the ring, he is the main coach and where he teaches people in the thing WWE wants, how people, WWE wants people to train, how they want people to do it because he's been there. He knows what they want, he knows what they're looking for, so he can might as well train people in it instead of us just trying to scramble through or trying to do the same drills that we've been trained by people who has not been there, but been trained by other people and been trained by other people. And it so but yeah, he's uh, the main in ring trainer, can you call it? And it's <laughs> the ring training is more intense uh, with him on the leash because again if you want to make it to WWE, if you want to make it to New Japan, if you want to make it to somewhere big, you need to put in training. You need to be a, a great wrestler with great cardio, with a great look. And yeah, you need to have the total package, but also need to know well what you're doing, how you're going to do it, how they want you to do it. That's also the main, uh, main point of it, because WWE is not going to tell you how they want you to do it. Uh, maybe if you are at a tryout or a shout, you need to put that foot forward or something, but else they're not going to tell you anything else, pretty much. You're going, you're going to show them what you have. And they, they say, hey, you're not good enough, then you're not doing it the way they want you to do it. So they skip on you until they see that you can do it the way they want you to do it, apparently. <laughs> I'm just getting, just getting a, a like PTSD flashbacks of uh, William Regal barking left foot forward when you mentioned footwork. Um, it's, it's the only bit I remember from the NXT, like bit they showed of, mm. of him doing trading. It's just like oh, now, now, now I know. I'm not even a wrestler, but I know left foot forward. That's the that's what you do. That's the most memorable part of that the, the documentary series is that part because again, I'm a right-footed football. Players. I'm used to have my right foot forward when I boxed. I was right footed, but they, they also told me to have my left foot forward. So when I saw that, it came more natural to me because I already did it back when I was boxing. So that was easy for me to, to shift that when I saw, okay, you want the left foot forward? Great, let's do it. <laughs> it also makes it easier actually to 
have I noticed since I saw it actually to move around in the ring because usually people are right-footed, so you'd always take the first step with your right foot. So, yeah, it's fun. So it's a, but it's also fun as you say that Carlos he's been there. Yeah, then of course he's going to be the coach, uh, main coach in the ring, and going to push people through this exact thing. If they want to make it, then they have to go through the training that makes them able to make it. Uh, so it's this is a sharp dojo series, so I, I, I wouldn't be doing uh, the the podcast title justice if I didn't speak about looking sharp a little bit. Um, this is how myself, anyway, probably the majority of Scottish wrestling fans um, found out about the Danish scene uh, because of his his uh, social media traveling back and forth and and uh, getting uh, bleeding everywhere and, and winning belts and, and what have you. So. Um, Lou is obviously a very uh, forward-thinking guy. He puts out his CV everywhere. Um, was that pretty much how the relationship was struck up? He, he put out his CV, you brought him over? Nope. No? Um, me and Lou King uh, met in a may- way more fun way. <laughs> I um, was contacted by DPW about a week before the show. Asked if uh, I minded having a Scottish person sleeping at my place for a few days. And taking him over to the show, bring him back, take him to the airport, and make sure that he got back and forth. I was like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, no problem. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know anything. I was just like, yeah, yeah, don't mind. I go out, pick up this, uh, at that point, still a kid, because he's very young looking. A lot of people are surprised how old he actually is. Um, and uh, I'm surprised who, who I'm picking up, because I knew bit who Liu King was, but I didn't know who, it, who he was at that point. Some of the people I've trained would know who he was and all this. So, me and him, we uh, meet up and um, yeah, uh, we had a few hours to kill before we actually traveled to the show because he came the day before the show. So we decided I decided to go there the day before the show because it was like midday or something. Yeah. And um, we just hit off immediately me and him. It was just like we had the same kind of humor. We uh, had the same kind of cringe when we were at the show with stuff that happened and all this. We, we talked this kind of the same language when when something fucked up and all this. So <laughs> we had the same mindset in, in general. And um, when he stayed here at my place and all that, my family took well uh, for him and uh, took care of him and he loved that. Um, since then... He has been sleeping at my place every single time he's been in Denmark. He's pretty much part of my family now <laughs> when he's here. So um, it's struck a friendship that has been uh, lasting ever and will be forever lasting between me and him, trust me. And um, he is a great dude. And because of him, yeah, I got a lot of opportunities uh, in training with some guys and uh, giving him opportunities in CCW. It's because of me and that friendship that he got the chance to come to CCW. He kept asking me if it booked, kept asking, kept asking, kept asking. And at the end, it's like, yeah, we can do it. And he's been like uh, the parasite that never leaves you since <laughs> CCW. <laughs> and we love him. He's, uh, he's amazing. And uh, we were so sad last year when... Um, he didn't make it for Ragnarok because the first Ragnarok, he was supposed to be there. We were supposed to have it actually at uh, Christiania uh, in uh, what is called the, hall, uh, the Great Hall. He loves uh, the area Christiania. It's a 
beautiful area that he loves to visit. So he was like, he wants to be at the show. And then we had to move the venue and some other stuff happened. So we couldn't book him. And he was very disappointed. He didn't know that we had moved the venue. So he was extra disappointed thinking we had been to show at his favorite place. But when he found out that wasn't happening, he was like, oh, okay. Then uh, he asked me, okay, are you going to book before Ragnarok 2 then? It's like, yeah, we're going to build a matchup for you, Ragnarok 2, no problem. And then Corona hits. <laughs> And the worst part about this was that we moved around Ragnarok and it uh, was moved to November. Europe opened, people could travel, everything. He was here for a show in September. Then we booked him, we booked the flights, everything was well, everything was fine. On the morning of the show, I get a panic call from Messenger, like five missed calls from like four in the morning, and I don't know what the hell is going on. Then on the day of the show, on the morning, at four in the morning, they changed the rules so he couldn't travel to Denmark. So he missed out on number two too. He, he was like, he was devastated. He was so, so sad. And we actually also were pretty devastated because again, it was the second year that he lost his chance to be at our kind of WrestleMania and lost his big moment. Um, this time we, of course, have booked him for our next show. He gets, we will get his Shueva Cruiserweight title match against Nitro Green. That is set in stone. So, um, but yeah, it it was a so sad situation that at that point. But he's uh, he's been like a very vital thing for CCW, uh, both as a character and as a wrestler. He has some major matches in CCW with some of our younger wrestlers where he taught them a lot in these matches. And then he's also a big hand in helping the promotion in general with uh, setting up matches, helping people in this, putting up uh, the match, finding out how to do it so nothing looks the same. Um, because people on wrestling shows have a tendency to do a lot of the same stuff in the matches. Uh, so he tries to help avoid this happening. So he's more than just a wrestler for CCW now. He's a lot of stuff uh, for CCW. Uh, one man, I'm a lot of names at the end. So, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, he, he put me, when I was doing like kind of the start for 10 interview things, I just had like 10 questions. And that was pretty much, he contacted me going like, do you want, do you want me to, um, I'd like you to speak to some of these guys from Denmark. Um, I'll throw their names over or get them to get in touch with you. I was like, absolutely fine, because I would trust Lou to just, he knows what he's doing. If he thinks I would help, I will do that. Not a bother. It's just one of those guys. That you, you know he knows. Mm. And it's ridiculous. He's like 24. He's disgustingly exactly. talented for his age. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what I mean about him being a young age because it was like, again, five years ago. So he was like 18, 19 when I met him the first time. <laughs> and he's already at that point been resting for like five, six years. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it was mind-blowing for me. It was like, okay, I'm still a rookie here. Okay, screw me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... So we'll pro we'll get back to the dojo because of course this is this is that's lockdown stuff. So we'll mm. finish off here like here wrestling bit, and then we'll we'll speak about that. But uh, 2019, I was going through your Facebook, the obviously Sebastian Day page, not your personal account. That'd be weird. Um, I noticed that you you ended up having a, a, a was that a broken foot due to a leapfrog, yeah. and they didn't require surgery. How what was that? Oh, yeah. How did that happen? Um, yeah. 
funny story. Um, it was uh, yeah, it's two years ago actually um, that I broke it. Um, I um, was at Vega Break training camp. It was uh, the last day of the camp, very last day of the camp. I it was training with a very very new guy. He was when we were going to do the international. Um, for people who don't know it, I don't want to say what it is. Uh, then you can start training, then you'll know what it is. But at some point during this international, you have to do a leap run. And that's where you jump over the guy who runs beneath you. When I land, and the leap frog, everything went well. When I land, my foot does this. I'm in major pain. And I think it's just like, you know, twisted angle, that's it. I will be ready in a few hours. Especially be ready for the show. Yeah, after a few hours, I was still in like major pain. Um, they asked me to take my sock off. I'm a, I'm educated first aid person, and I knew what was going on. I knew what was happening when I was in that major pain after so long. So when I took my foot, uh, my sock off, my foot, like the entire side area of the foot, was just blue, just dark blue. <laughs> so yeah, I knew exactly what was going on i had to go to the hospital x-ray yeah you had a broken foot it was just like it was like this thing just broken off was it that was oh that was but it was still so uh, i couldn't do the show the next day obviously <laughs> that was a bit hard to do <laughs> i would gladly have done it but i couldn't and then um, i was so uh, preciously lucky that i had a booking in morocco like uh, I think it was about two weeks later. Uh, so, yeah. Um, then um, I was like, yeah, um, that's got to be great. That's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. Um, so um, I went to Morocco together with Lunico. And... Wrestle with a broken foot in the tag team match. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, that was uh, just very, very, very unlucky. Uh, but I mean, at least, at least, you, at least you made it. But I suppose it's not the experience you would have wanted um, going to Morocco, yeah. worrying that uh, your foot's just fractured a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I had my head when you were speaking about it, jumping off the leapfrog. I don't know if you saw uh, the Conor McGregor. Uh, bit from UFC last night. It was gruesome. Um, so to finish up the, the rest of bit, Ben. Um, yeah, yeah, we have to do it a bit quick. Uh, I just got some bad news, so we need to we'll, do it a bit quick. Okay, cool. Right, I'll ask you one question about that. I've got two stupid questions, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Quick, yeah. quick. Um, so the trade very match of the year for CCW was yourself versus Highman um, in a TLC. Mm. Um, how was that experience? TLC match. Yeah. It's uh, a painful experience, first of all. Um, the yeah, the, the sad part about this TLC match is the tables that we usually use in the Denmark is not something we're able to have anymore uh, because the company who makes them don't make them anymore. <laughs> so we had to find some solutions, creative solutions. So, uh, but if people watch the matches on YouTube, then uh, they will be able to see what we came up with. <laughs> the, the ladder itself, it hurts like shit because it was a wood ladder, so it hurt like hell. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> At least uh, I didn't get slapped on it like some people would uh, would like to. Uh, we used it very 
very uh, small, uh, as you say. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, still something that hurt like hell. Chair shots, uh, even though you've been in a hardcore match, have you? If you've been in something, chair shot, it hurts like hell. Being put through a sea of chairs, of four chairs, hurts even more. Especially when uh, you have this mindset of bump where you stretch out your arms. That was not a good idea. In the match. <laughs> I mean, suppose not not worth it, but I suppose it, it must have been a little bit um, worth it when obviously the fans voted it that was the best match of that year. So you, you go, I'm a bit sore, I'm a bit beaten up, but at least it was worth it for that moment. <laughs> it, it, it was worth it for that moment, yeah. That, that was definitely worth it. Um, it was something that, uh, yeah, I really didn't uh, see as something uh, people would do. There was some matches that year in CCW that uh, I would say has been just as good, maybe even better. It, again, depends on what people are looking for. If they're seeing on the, you know, the story of it or the match itself or the hardcoreness or anything. But still, 2020 was not a year where we had a lot of shows. It was more smaller shows that we had. Um, and I think we had four shows in total. So, um, but still, getting voted match of the year was pretty nice and pretty special. Um, and hopefully, uh, yeah, we can continue. Uh, I can continue that streak of having match of the year. Absolutely <laughs> right. So, um, like I say, because because time is of the essence, we've got two stupid questions we ask everyone, and then we'll do a wrap up, and you, you can get to uh, what you need to do. Uh, first question is: What's your favorite dinosaur? T-Rex. It's a classic. Uh, it's a good one. And the other question is, I don't know if you may have heard this from Looking Sharp in the past, because it was him that get, got, made me ask this question. Didn't make me bad because of him. What would win in a fight? Two sheep or one cow? Mm, sorry? What would win in a fight? Two sheep or one cow? Two sheeps. Two sheep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before uh, I let you go, where can people find you on social media? They can find me on pretty much anything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even on YouTube. Uh, my main name is Sebastian Day, and I live pro wrestler or PW uh, after it. Then they can find me and uh, yeah, they can follow me on yeah, pretty much anything. Um, most of my matches is on YouTube, uh, either on my private YouTube or on the company Championship Wrestling YouTube. Where we uh, also post a lot of the matches with some awesome commentary by looking sharp. <laughs> uh, so perfect well thank, thank you very much for joining me today you are so welcome